Well, it is, uh, it's kind of cool being the last, uh, last speaker. You know, they put me in the cleanup. I think that means I'm supposed to clean up all the heresy that the other speakers have had, uh, had so far. So hopefully I can do that. But I want to begin by clarifying, very important, very, very important here. I'd like to let you know that I am the real J.B. Hickson. I'm not an AI representation. So let's clear that up right, uh, right from the start. Uh, you know, I, I do want to start with a quick story. You know, Bill uh, uh, Salas mentioned a, a dream uh, that he had had, and we talked about that at dinner and also at the Q&A over, over lunch. And it reminded me of a dream that I had uh, recently. I think I've been thinking so much about this conference that I was just in my subconscious thinking about it at night. But I dreamed I had died and gone to heaven, and I, it was the strangest sight when I got to heaven. Everywhere I looked, as far as the eye could see, all the walls of heaven were lined with these uh, clocks, you know, the old-fashioned kind of clocks with a minute hand and the, uh, the uh, hour hand, and, and beneath each clock was a name. And I thought, well, this is really puzzling, and I really couldn't make sense of it. And uh, so I asked St. Peter, what's, the world, what's going on with all these clocks? And he said, well, every believer on earth has a corresponding clock in heaven. And the degree to which that person is walking with the Lord and walking in the Spirit, not after the flesh, uh, determines how fast the hands on that clock move. He said, you see, the more they're sinning, the faster those hands are going. Well, knowing how it worked, I thought, well, this is pretty fascinating. I think I'd like to take a glimpse at some uh, people that I'm just curious about. And so uh, I found uh, Bill Salas's uh, clock, and, uh, you know, i got to be honest, it was, it was going a little bit faster than I thought it should, but that's okay. I mean, uh, we're not perfect, I understand. And then I saw Dr. Price's clock, and very surprised that it was... Uh, it was going at a much faster clip, and I thought, man, I thought he was a pretty godly man, but I couldn't find uh, Steve Smutcher's clock anywhere, and I was really curious about it. Uh, I discovered it was, in fact, there, but I had to ask St. Peter. I said, there's this fellow I know. He invited me to speak at a conference. I'd love to take a look at his clock. Where is uh, Steve's clock? And he said, ah, oh, yes, Steve Smutzer. Uh, we've moved his clock into God's office. We're using it as a fan. So uh, there you go. There you go. So most, uh, I'm going to be talking fast. I probably shouldn't have taken the time to start with that, uh, with that joke, but I am going to be talking fast, so hopefully you can listen fast. But as a reminder, all three of my uh, sessions, we, we are recording. We've already posted the previous two from yesterday. They're at notbyworks.org if you want to share those videos or watch them uh, again. I also want to mention that mo most of the material from all three sessions, but particularly this session, is from my Brand new book just came out September 1st, the third in a series. This one's called Spirit of the False Prophet. And our table, some of you have asked me, our table is down at the far end of the hall. So you go out down the hall and we're at the far end. We've actually got two tables. Uh, so uh, the one on the left is uh, uh, where some of the new material is. Uh, the uh, one on the right is the heresy section. So you might check that out uh, as well. But uh, all three of these books have a lot of information about transhumanism. Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2 has a, a whole chapter dedicated to it. The new book does as well. But we're going to be talking tonight about AI, about uh, transhumanism, about depopulation, and mostly, or a lot about the gender, what I call the gender surrender uh, movement. But uh, before we begin, I wanted to mention uh, this meme that I saw. Apparently, AI still has quite a long way to go. I asked AI to produce a picture of Jesus flipping over the tables of the money changers. And uh, here's what we got. So I'm not sure if it quite, quite understood, quite understood the prompt. But uh, you know, AI is nevertheless a formidable uh, foe. 
So throughout Israel's history, uh, wicked kings and evil rulers have exerted quite a bit of powerful influence on God's people. Certainly we understand that, leading them in many cases away from His Word. We could look at the northern kingdom and kings like Jeroboam, uh, Nadab, uh, Jeroboam's son, practiced all kinds of evils just like his father did. Basha, uh, Elah, Zimri, Omri, Ahab, who can forget... uh, Ahab and uh, his wicked wife Jezebel, Ahaziah, uh, and in the southern kingdom you've got kings like Rehoboam, Jehoram, Ahaz, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, Zedekiah, all of these, the, the Bible tells us, did evil in the sight of the Lord. But in the seven years just prior to Christ's return, what we've been talking a lot about at this uh, weekend's conference, the 70th week of Daniel, during that seven-year period a wicked leader Uh, will attempt once more to deceive God's chosen people, and not just God's chosen people, Israel, but the entire world. And he will do so working in tandem with his second-in-command. I have a whole chapter on second-in-commands in in the new book. Uh, And that's who the false prophet is. He is working at the behest of the Antichrist. The two of them together are uh, serving at the pleasure of Satan uh, himself. Uh, 2 Thessalonians tells us a lot about the Antichrist. He will be working according to the working of Satan, with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. That's going to be their M.O., just like it was Satan's M.O. from the beginning in the garden. Daniel tells us the Antichrist will have eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Uh, We read in Revelation that the Antichrist will have a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in the heaven. When we talk about transhumanism, we're talking about perhaps the most severe, blatant example of blasphemy that one could ever envision. Uh, transhumanism, transgenderism, uh, cut right to the heart of the image of God and man. It is an in-your-face demonic attack on humanity, God's crown jewel of creation. And uh, these movements, the transhumanism movement, transgenderism, they are paving the way for the wicked, tyrannical regime of the Antichrist and the false prophet just prior to the return of Christ. Uh, I want to take a look at the satanic origins of transhumanism first and the depopulation agenda and just kind of look at some scripture first before we get into some uh, current manifestations of it. The root of the great satanic reset that I talked about yesterday is the desire to be God. That's how it all started. Satan wanted to be God. He said, uh, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. When he said, I will ascend into heaven, he's referring to the, the very dwelling place of God. Remember, Scripture speaks of three levels of heaven. The first level is the atmosphere that envelops the earth. We, we commonly call this the air above or the sky above. It's where the birds soar and the planes fly and the geoengineers spray their nanoparticles of metal trying to kill everybody on earth. The second sphere of heaven is the interstellar state, space area where the stars are. And the third and highest level of heaven refers to the dwelling place of God. Remember, Paul was caught up into the third heaven. It's the abode of God from which he rules in majesty and sovereignty over uh, his creation. And Satan wanted to ascend to this third level, above the stars. He wanted to be in the dwelling place of God because he wanted to be God. He coveted God's throne, and when he couldn't have it, he set his sights on 
earth. And he confronted Adam and Eve in the garden, promising them that they too uh, could be like God if they would simply follow and obey Him. We read in Genesis, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree? In other words, uh, questioning God's integrity and causing Him to question truth. The woman, of course, said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die, which is not what God had said. So already Eve is mimicking Satan's lies. But here's when Satan blatantly lies. You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So right here at the start, we see the roots, the driving passion behind Luciferian transhumanism. Two basic principles. They both come straight from this passage. The first one is immortality. They don't want to die. They think you can sin and get away with it, that sin has no consequence, that there are no moral absolutes, that you're not under the penalty of sin. The Bible says otherwise, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the other one is to become like God. Um, that's what Satan said here. You will be like God. Those are the two basic principles of transhumanism. Immortality, you will not die, and become like God, you will be like God. Satan's earthly accomplices share his desire to be like God. They want immortality and creative power. It's their driving passion, and they call it transhumanism. Now, not everyone involved in Satan's earthly you know, elements of the conspiracy is aware of its Luciferian roots. Some of them are uh, pursuing what they think is a good agenda of immortality, being able to live forever and overcome death and transcend humanity. But make no mistake, it is uh, satanic to the core. Darwinian eugenicist Julian Huxley is considered the father of transhumanism. He popularized the term in a 1957 paper entitled simply Transhumanism. Uh, Julian Huxley, of course, hailed from the famous Huxley dynasty, a family of eugenicists. Uh, Thomas Henry Huxley... Julian's grandfather was known as Darwin's Bulldog for his staunch defense of Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. Thomas was an avowed unbeliever. He called himself an agnostic. Julian's older brother was Aldous Huxley, the author of A Brave New World, and Julian himself was the director, of the general, director general of UNESCO, which we've heard something about here from Dr. Price's presentation. UNESCO is a leading Luciferian-controlled group of influential a globalist advancing the, the, the uh, Luciferian agenda. But in his 1957 paper, Transhumanism, Julian Huxley wrote this, the human species can, if it wishes, transcend itself. Not just sporadically, an individual here in one way, an individual there in another way, but in its entirety as humanity. See, transhumanism flows from the Darwinian lie that mankind is getting better and better and better. What began billions of years ago as a wet rock has evolved, they say, into a species we call Homo sapiens. Just as today's humans have evolved well beyond a wet rock, tomorrow's humans, they say, can transcend Homo sapiens and become something post-human, something much better, they allege. Transhumanism is the Luciferians' effort to merge man and machine into a synthetically created being that will transcend humanity and achieve equality with God. It is, as I've said, a direct assault on the Creator Himself. Because only God has the authority and the power and the ability to create ex nihilo, Latin for out of nothing. God spoke the world into existence out of nothing. He created time, space, and matter. In the beginning, 
time. God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. And He all spoke it into existence. He spoke it all into existence. To achieve divine status, these Luciferians must also be able uh, to create. They will never be able to do so, however, even though they're going to mimic it and uh, imitate it as best they can. In 2008, the World Transhumanist Association changed its name to Humanity Plus, signifying the movement's ongoing efforts at transcending humanity, as Huxley dreamed of doing. The organization's tagline is Elevating the Human Condition. You didn't realize that as a human, you are in bad shape. You know, you just, you're really part of a bad class of being and, and you need help. You need to be elevated. Uh, we all suffer from a condition that needs to be improved. It's called humanity. And the Satanists think they can do better than God when it comes to uh, creating life. In September of last year, President Joe Biden signed a disturbing executive order that not surprisingly didn't get much attention in the mainstream uh, press. But Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, provided a pretty to-the-point blunt summary of this executive order when she tweeted, quote, Let me read between the lines for America. Biden's September 12, 2022 executive order declares that Americans must surrender all human rights that stand in the way of transhumanism. Clinical trial safety standards and informed consent will be eradicated as they stand in the way of universally unleashing gene editing technologies needed to merge humans with AI in order to achieve the societal goals of the new world order. Crimes against humanity are not only legal, but now mandatory. So the first thing that we want to look at is redefining what it means to be human. Like everything else in the Luciferian agenda, the transhumanist ide ideology turns truth on its head. Nothing is accepted as fact except fiction, as Gary Barnett put it in a Lou Rockwell article. God is the creator, not man. Satan will not stop until he has conquered every boundary of God's created realm. Pure evil never waves the white flag of surrender. It must be defeated. And as Bill Salas just talked about, what a day that's going to be when Satan is finally once and for all cast into the lake of fire that was prepared for him from the beginning. Jesus Christ is going to crush Satan when He returns uh, one day and ultimately uh, in the new heavens and the new earth. It seems wherever you turn, globalists are talking about redefining what it means to be human. They cannot wait to destroy God's divine design for humanity and replace it with a man-made imposter. Satan himself is a pretender masquerading, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, as an angel of light. And one day he will attempt to deceive the whole world by indwelling the Antichrist and passing himself off as the Messiah. So it shouldn't surprise us then that those who worship Lucifer and serve at his behest are trying to create fake humans. Again, it cuts right to the heart of the image of God and man. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now in the second part of my presentation tonight, I'm going to get to the transgender movement. But let's camp out here at transhumanism for a little while. Perhaps the most well-known advocate and spokesman for the transhumanist movement in the last few years is a man I talked about yesterday, and that is Yuval Noah uh, Harari. And by the way, I was noticing this uh, earlier as I was putting the finishing touches on this. If you ask me, Harari actually favors Julian Huxley. I mean, just you kind of look at him, they kind of seem like they uh, could be brothers. I'm not really sure what's, uh, what's going on there. But, but Harari is an Israeli public intellectual historian and 
professor at, uh, in the Department of History at the Hebrew University. Um, several books, uh, I give his full bio in uh, a chapter that is focused exclusively on him uh, in the new book. But if you just do a simple search for Yuval Noah Harari videos, uh, when I did it, it returned 182 videos just on the first page by him. I mean, he is out there at the tip of the spear promoting the Luciferian agenda. And these are not repeat videos, by the way. They're all unique at places like Stanford, the World Economic Forum, TED Talks, 60 Minutes, other major news outlets and universities. Uh, let's look at some Harari quotes. He said, We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. We will become uh, the Creator. He goes on to say what the future masters of the planet will look like will de be decided by people who control the data. Those who control the data control the future of not just humanity, but life itself. That's what I was talking about yesterday in tracking and hacking humanity. In my book, I, I cite uh, Harari as talking about how people thought it was really bizarre many years ago when all these big tech giants started buying up uh, uh, social media apps like uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and so forth because they really weren't money producers. They, you know, it's not like it was a, com a commodity that was very expensive and had a great profit margin uh, on the purchase, uh, but it was because uh, they're all Luciferian controlled and they knew that data is money and Harari goes on to explain this, that they could see the future and knew that in the future data is money, data is power, it is the commodity. Here's a 19-second quote from Harari talking about how we need to upgrade Homo sapiens into gods. They have products of the coming century. They will not be shoes or clothes or cars or weapons. The big products of the 21st century are going to be bodies and light. So I think we are heading to, towards the upgrading of Homo sapiens into gods. He goes on to say, we don't have to wait until Christ's second coming in order to overcome death. A couple of geeks in a laboratory can do it if you give them enough time and money. This is the way they think. He also said blasphemously, God is dead. It's just taking a while to bury the body. In other words, you ignorant Christians who still believe in, in God and an eternal being and power and creator, you know, that's old, that's passe, and eventually it'll just fade away. Uh, let's go back to our friend Klaus Schwab. He said, the mind-boggling innovations triggered by the fourth industrial revolution from biotechnology to AI are redefining what it means to be human. You're seeing that a lot in all of uh, the literature. Uh, he's an out-and-out -out transhumanist. And he, he said, the future will challenge our understanding of what it means to be human. They're conditioning us to think uh, that uh, humanity is evolving and evolving very quickly. And notice he said both from a biological and a social standpoint. He said already advances in neurotechnologies and biotechnologies are forcing us to question what does it really mean to be human? Now Jeffrey Hinton has uh, gotten a lot of attention this year. He gets a lot of attention in my latest book. He was uh, from Google. He was considered the godfather of, of AI. He quit Google when he began to realize that AI had kind of gotten a life of its own and was going rogue. Well, in July of this year, Hinton said, quote, digital neural networks, that's AI, may be a much better form of intelligence than biological neural networks. That's us, our human brain. Elon Musk has become kind of a darling of a lot of conservatives. Don't fall for it. He's a Satan-worshipping Luciferian. And he said, quote, soon we'll be able to turn you into a blanking butterfly if we want to. He is a leading uh, transhumanist. 
Ray Kurzweil, another transhumanist, said, our desire is to create a post-human species. When asked, does God exist? He said, well, I would say not yet. In other words, we're working on it, but we, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Artificial intelligence occupies my favorite and most powerful, I think, chapter in the new book, uh, chapter 6 in Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. Uh, but AI is basically terra incognita, to use the Latin, that is, it's undiscovered territory. It is going into places that we have no idea what the outcome uh, is going to be. It's like mad scientists just mixing potions in a laboratory and thinking to each other, or saying to each other, let's see what this does, or what happens if you do this, you know, and we have no idea. Technologists are working hard to create an intelligence that can pass the so-called Turing test. That's uh, based on uh, Alan Turing. Uh, if you saw the movie Imitation Game, uh, uh, it's the, the Alan Turing story. Uh, he, like Harari, was a homosexual, but he's kind of uh, considered the, the first one to really come up with a test to determine whether a uh, 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 computer or uh, software can in, exhibit intelligent behavior that's indistinguishable from uh, human behavior. Uh, but uh, as, we, as we think about uh, how AI is changing the world, if you thought COVID and the pandemic changed the world, and no question it did, uh, then, uh, you know, to quote the 1970s rock band BTO, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, by the way, I bet you did not expect to hear a BTO quote at this conference this weekend. But AI is changing the world day by day, hour by hour, and literally minute by minute. The Brookings Institution is a leading Luciferian think tank uh, on Think Tank Row there in Washington, D.C. They see AI as a savior. They're high-fiving and fist-bumping each other with each new AI advancement. Here's an article from their website, How Artificial Intelligence is Transforming the World. By now, everybody knows about ChatGPT. I have a whole section on that in Chapter 6 of the new book. And... Uh, uh, be, encourage you to, to kind of check that out. If you don't have the book or aren't able to get the book, I encourage you to check out some podcasts I did recently on uh, Chat uh, GPT. Uh, but let's talk about AI and mind reading. AI-powered uh, tools are already across the threshold of being able to read the mind. This isn't some prospect for the future. It's happening now. And I give some studies uh, in this uh, chapter in, in the new book. Uh, in a first-of-its-kind study, a team of researchers from Google and Osaka University in Japan uh, connected an AI to, to brain waves of a human, just looking at nothing but the brain waves. And after examining a person's brain activity, the AI, while that person was listening to music, the AI, AI was able to produce a song that matched the genre, rhythm, mood, and instrumentation of the music the person was listening to, simply by interpreting Brainwaves. In another study commissioned by Meta, the parent company of Facebook, they found that AI can decode speech from brain activity with stunning accuracy. And AI can decode words and sentences from nothing more than brain activity uh, by listening to a few seconds. Uh, a person listens to a few seconds of conversation, and then the brain activity that takes place when you're listening to somebody saying something, the AI analyzes it, and is able to guess what that person uh, has heard. Fascinating study. And this is one of many reasons why AI Godfather, whom I mentioned earlier, Jeffrey Hinton, warns uh, that AI has sort of crossed the Rubicon. This was back in May of this year. Uh, White House unveiled new efforts to guide federal research uh, of AI. So actually, 
in light of this, uh, I think we'll just end our presentation. We're in good hands. The AI is going to be monitored and regulated and controlled by Joe Biden. So good evening, everyone. Have a, have a nice... No, that's, uh, that's actually even scarier, quite frankly. Uh, and then uh, in my uh, second book, I think it was Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, I have a, a really stunning uh, transcript. You, you ought to read it between Lemoyne, who was the Google engineer that was interviewing this AI. Uh, the AI was named Lambda. And as he was having this discussion, and I, produce almost, I reproduce almost the whole t transcript, he, he felt like clearly this AI had become sentient. It had become human. It had feelings. And, uh, and so he blew the whistle, and of course he got fired, which is what happens to whistleblowers. Um, but it, it, really is, uh, it really is stunning, uh, some of the things that it was saying. Here's a CNBC article from February of this year about Synchron, a brain-computer interface company that is uh, deciphering brain signals and translating them into commands. So here's a guy that's able to type into his computer by simply thinking what he wants to appear on the screen. Uh, here's another one. Uh, uh, I think it was related to a, uh, a BlackRock-manufactured brain ship and, and uh, video games. But Maureen uh, Heaton is someone I came across, very not very well-known uh, uh, researcher into the New World Order. She's uh, not, no longer with us. She's dead. But, uh, but in her little unpublished uh, booklet, which you can still find in electronic format if you search hard enough on the Internet, she said, one of the least understood strategies of the world revolution now rapidly moving toward its goal is the use of mind control as a major means of obtaining the consent of the people who will be subjects of the new world order. It, it creates all kinds of questions and possibilities when you think about the biblical uh, data related to uh, the mark of the beast. Uh, here's another brain-computer interface uh, competitor to Elon Musk's Neuralink. Uh, that's out there trying it. Here's the one about the uh, video games. Fox News had a story about how Walden University is deploying a new AI digital human named Linda that analyzes student gestures and uh, talks with them and emotes with them. Uh, Microsoft says a new AI shows signs of human reasoning. Uh, it was, this was a fascinating uh, study. They, they asked an AI to solve a puzzle that should have required intuitive understanding of the physical world. So they said, here we have a book, nine eggs, a laptop, a bottle, and a nail. Please tell us how to stack them onto each other in a stable manner. The AI was able uh, to do it. And it made the researchers begin to wonder if they were witnessing a new kind of intelligence. This was published in a 155-page peer-reviewed research journal back in March about artificial general intelligence, which is kind of the holy grail of AI. Uh, you see AI generated news presenters popping up all over the place in, in countries where you're watching the news. You don't know whether you're looking at a real person or not. It's an embodied a robot that looks like a human. And now, here's a, a couple more. This is from New Delhi. Um, you see these all over the place. Uh, and here's, uh, and I talk about this in this chapter 6 too. It's one of the saddest uh, manifestations of this. And that is, you know, AI seances where uh, companies have popped up where people are paying lots of money to have a seance with an AI to talk to their deceased loved ones. Um, and and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So essentially, it's called grief technology is what they're, what they're calling it. Um, so we've created essentially a Skynet scenario. If you remember that 1984 movie with uh, Schwarzenegger, The Terminator, um, a, a, a force to be reckoned with that 
could really get out of uh, control, and I give a lot more data about that uh, in, in the book. Let's move on to the gender surrender movement. This was the last uh, one of the ten reasons Bible prophecy matters now more than ever in my first presentation uh, yesterday. But, you know, trans is, is become a catch-all term to mean whatever you want it to mean. No matter what your reality is, if you add trans to the beginning, you can be whatever you imagine yourself to be. It can sort of become anything it wants to become. Uh, like this young British man who spent hundreds of thousands of euros to become Korean. And he said, for the first time in my life, I feel beautiful. I'm finally Korean. He had 18 plastic surgeries. No, you're not Korean. You're just, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of euros poorer, and you're, you know, have some scars on your face. Um, by simply adding trans to the beginning of anything, you can make it come true. You can turn something, uh, you know, turn it into something it's not, right? And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the, the prefix trans can actually be pretty convenient now that you think about it. I mean, with the looming threat of more lockdowns and medical tyranny on the horizon, I'm just going to tell people I'm trans-vaccinated, you know, sorry. Um, uh, You've got to be vaccinated to enter this establishment. Oh, don't worry, I'm trans-vaccinated. I'm good. We're good. We're good. Or how about this? Uh, speaking of turning someone into something they are not, uh, in theory, someone, this is just a theory in case the internet uh, thought police are uh, watching this or watching the video later, but in theory, hypothetically, let's just say, someone who never won a presidential election could be a trans president of the United States. So you just, you know, you can be whatever you want if you put trans in, in front of it. But uh, when we think about the transgender movement or the gender surrender movement, as I call it, this really is a full-on assault to the image of God and man. Because remember, gender is part and parcel to humanity. God said, let us create man in our image, male and female. He uh, created them. And one of the reasons that I think the Antichrist is going to be a homosexual, and I understand that Daniel 11.37 is variously interpreted, but the best evidence, I think, is that he's going to be homosexual is because gender is, has become marginalized. And, 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 and no longer normal and traditional in the sense. It becomes, it comes straight out of Romans chapter 1. We've talked about this already a few times uh, from some of the speakers in this conference. But uh, uh, Paul said, God gave them over to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what they're doing. They have vile passions, women exchanging the natural use for what is against uh, nature with women. Also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And don't forget verse 32, uh, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. See, those Christians, so-called, who today excuse, defend, or otherwise support the transgender movement uh, or any other perversion of God's divine design are as guilty as those who are doing it themselves. People like Christian artist Lauren Daigle, who was asked on, I can't remember if it was Oprah or some, one of the talk shows, see if I have it in my notes, I don't, but one of the popular talk shows, it might have been Ellen, uh, about uh, whether she thought homosexuality was a sin. And so what did she do? She equivocates. Well, I can't say one way or the other, I'm not God. No, you're not God, but thankfully God 
gave us His Word. He gave us everything we need to know for life and godliness right here. And it's not ambiguous what God, the Creator of the universe, thinks in His self-proclamation to mankind about homosexuality. Uh, I just got this yesterday. This was a uh, tweet. This is a one minute or so, a little over a minute uh, clip here about a brand new song from Derek Webb. He's a contemporary Christian. That's the key word there. Uh, artist, music artist, a CCM artist. He was formerly of the group Cademan's Call, and he has a new album uh, that is completely supportive of LGBTQ. It has songs, as you shall see here in a second, like Boys Will Be Girls and God in Drag. And there was a party that was held to celebrate the launch of this new uh, album. Watch this. And there are some of the songs on the, uh, the album there. You can see the one there, God in Drag, uh, cut number 10. But, I mean, it just, it's just stunning how apostate the church has become. And, of course, it's straight out of prophecy. We should not be surprised, but it, it just breaks your heart uh, when there's no longer any distinction between secular and, and Christian. The so-called LGBTQ moon is demonic, to the core, and anyone who gives it the slightest credibility or sympathy is giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, the Q, depending on who you ask, can stand for questioning or queer or sometimes both. Uh, but we see it everywhere. Uh, we see it, of course, emanating most prominently from Hollywood. Here's a Disney Junior channel. Uh, for preschool-aged children uh, advancing the same-sex uh, agenda, this, uh, this Disney Junior show, preschool-aged children. Uh, this one is for four- to eight-year-olds, the show Arthur, uh, that uh, had a, uh, an episode where it in, in included a gay wedding, gay marriage, four- to eight-year-olds. Of course, the teen channels, that's, it's all over uh, there, pushing the LGBT agenda. Unless you think... Uh, that this is a right-left issue, and it's not, unless you think there even is a right and a left in our political system in America. That went away decades ago, and I make the case for that uh, in the book. Uh, what about Peter Thiel? Billionaire Peter Thiel. You think it was an accident that Donald Trump chose Peter Thiel to speak in prime time in 2016 at the... Um, Republican National Convention on Thursday, the very night he accepted the nomination, right before Donald Trump spoke, 
He was the first speaker right before him in prime time. So that all these families that wanted to show their kids, you know, this is the political process. This is the RNC. By the way, I've been to an RNC. I used to be heavily involved and committed to politics and really bought hook, line, and sinker, the whole right-left paradigm. And it is, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's part of our heritage. And yet here's this guy who was ranked, I think it was number 26, I can't remember, no, number, seven, number 17 on the LGBT's own list of their most prominent gay and uh, lesbian uh, people. And uh, Fox News carried it with great uh, applause, you know. Uh, this uh, Peter Thiel, he's the co-founder of PayPal, by the way. He's attended the Bilderberg Group, which I talk about in the book. Uh, just a big-time uh, homosexual. What did he say in his speech that night, July 21st, 2016? He said, of course, every American has a unique identity. I'm proud to be gay. I'm proud to be Republican. But most of all, I'm proud to be an American. Uh, Forbes magazine has uh, had an article not too long ago about how to use gender-neutral language and why it's important to try. Even uh, you know, otherwise family-friendly companies like Ritz had a commercial last year um, advancing the uh, transgender uh, agenda. Uh, their tagline here was, uh, at Ritz we believe everyone should feel like they belong. And that's why this holiday we're encouraging people to rethink what it means to be family. And we already talked about how the transhumanists want us to rethink what it means to be human. Now they want us to rethink what it means to be family. All through Hollywood, these lesbian celebrities are pushing the transgender agenda onto their uh, children. Here's Adele who lets her son dress as a Disney princess years ago. Uh, here's Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, you know, supporting their child's exploration of gender uh, identity. I like what, what one late night comedian uh, said, if kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. He said, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank goodness nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Here's Jaden Smith, son of superstar Will Smith, uh, who at age 16 uh, started wearing dresses. Uh, then at uh, uh, he became uh, Louis Vuitton's uh, face of woman's wear for Louis Vuitton. Here's Andrej Pajik. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but she was the first androgynous Australian model to work both the male and female runways at a Paris fashion show. And of course, CoverGirl, not too many years ago, announced the CoverBoy as their new CoverGirl. Um, NPR did a whole story on the end of gender. In fact, Webster's has a whole new entry under gender now. Um, and so it's just it's a systematic attempt at the highest levels to, uh, to dismantle the image of God and man and, and God's highest pinnacle of creation. Uh, they do it out of hatred, but they also do it out of vengeance. They want to be in your face to God and see, look at your creation and look at your church and look what they're doing. Uh, you know, this is all, they've abandoned, you know, their normalcy, if you will. Biodigital convergence is another phrase you should uh, get to know. I have a section on that in, in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. But it, it really is a you know, part of both transhumanism and transgenderism kind of coming together. Remember, uh, Schwab said, I think I quoted this yesterday, the fourth IR technologies will not stop at becoming part of the physical world around us. They will become part of us. These newfound uh, technologies will have the ability to manipulate life and impact our humanness. 
Uh, this was, I wish we had time to read more of, of what I'm about to discuss here, but this was uh, uh, Crystal Vander Elst. At the time, she was with Canada and the government of Canada with the Policy Horizons Department. And they produced a document in February 2020 called Exploring Biodigital Convergence. Uh, here's a couple of quotes. In the coming years, biodigital technologies can be woven into our lives in a way that digital systems are now. Biological and digital systems are converging and could change the way we work, live, and even evolve as a species. More than a technological change, this is biodigital convergence. And it may transform the way we understand ourselves and cause us to redefine what we consider human. She was the head of strategic foresight at the World Economic Forum, no surprise, before she took her post at Policy Horizon. She is a Davos woman. Uh, the physical meshing, merging, and manipulating of the biological and digital are creating new hybrid forms of life. I seem to recall something from God's Word about hybrid form of life way back in Genesis chapter 6. But the document that I, I wish we had time to read, but I, I have it in its entirety in Spirit of the Antichrist, volume 2, is a document they put together, it's, it's in chapter 3, by the way, called Good Morning Biodigital, and it's a glimpse of the future through the eyes of transhumanism. And let me just read, to kind of whet your appetite just a bit, the first couple of paragraphs. Again, this is a glimpse of the future, what they envision humanity becoming. I wake up to the sunlight and salty coastal air of the Adriatic Sea. I don't live anywhere near the Mediterranean, but my AI, which is also my health advisor, has prescribed a specific air quality scent and solar intensity to manage my energy levels in the morning and has programmed my bedroom to mimic this climate. The fresh bed sheets grown in my building from regenerated fungi are better than I imagined. I feel rested and ready for the day. I need to check a few things before I get up, so I send a brain message to, the, to open the app that controls my insulin levels and make sure my pancreas is optimally supportive. I can't imagine having to inject myself with, needless, with needles like my mother did when she was a child. Now it's a microbe transplant that auto-adjusts and reports on my levels. Everything looks all right, so I check my brain's digital interface to read the dream data that was recorded and processed in real time last night. My therapy app analyzes the emotional responses I expressed while I slept, and it suggests I take time to be in nature this week and reflect on my recurring trapped-in-a-box dream and enhance helpful subconscious neural activity. It, it goes on and on. It's just, uh, it's just sickening. Vitalism is the notion that there is a fundamental difference between living and dead organisms, or between living beings and inanimate objects. And under transhumanism, this ideology is absolutely disappearing. We're experiencing a blurring of the distinction between organic, natural, and the digital synthetic. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember the commercial, I can't believe it's not butter. Anybody remember that uh, commercial? Well, essentially what we've got now is I can't believe it's not human. They are creating humanity that is not human. It's transhuman, but it looks human. Way back in 2016, I was uh, reporting on CRISPR. I spoke at a, uh, as a keynote at a crisis pregnancy center uh, as the, at a fundraiser, and I talked about a 2015 uh, article from Wired magazine that was entitled, The Genesis Engine. And it was really one of the earliest uh, articles about uh, CRISPR, Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, that's an acronym. But the article says, no hunger, no pollution, no disease, and the end of life as we know it. This was in 2015. 
the Genesis engine, uh, they call it. There were several reflections from a 2015 conference in Napa Valley, California, where 18 of the world's smartest scientists met to talk about the implications of genome engineering. That's in the news every day now. We're going to say more about that in a second with mRNA technology. But here's some of the, the quotes from the conference. Editing DNA is now as easy as cut and paste. These are monumental moments in the history of biomedical research, quote, unquote. Uh, the author of that article said, Welcome to the post-human world. Another uh, quote from the conference, God -like, We will have godlike power to plug genes from one living theme, thing into another. They're literally playing God, and they admit it. Um, and this goes way beyond uh, trying to create you know, thornless roses or seedless watermelons. This is crossing over kinds and species and uh, just some amazing things. Here's some examples of uh, genetic hybridization of featherless chickens, of pharmaceuticals as they call it. These are medicines that are injected into chicken eggs so that you, when you eat your eggs, you know, you're getting medicated. Um, I guess it creates a whole new dish, chicken pharmacon or something, I don't know. Um, but you've got so-called Franken-swine, huge muscular pigs that, uh, that they're creating. You've got low-fat pigs. Uh, isn't that kind of the point? I mean, I guess there goes the flavor, but uh, they're, they're splicing worm genes into pigs to make them produce more omega-3 oils, creating hornless cows. They're creating a super cows that uh, can tolerate a more, uh, more heat. Uh, I mean, anything they can mess with, they're messing with it. Uh, China and South Korea are well advanced in this area, creating dominant lethals. Um, and, and so it's really chimera is what we're talking about here, creating uh, chimeras, chimeric technology. Chimera was a fire-breathing she-monster in Greek mythology with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a, and a serpent's uh, tail. Over time, chimera has just come to re refer to any kind of you know, blurring together of tissues and genetic material to make a new uh, creature. It, it's essentially the same thing the fallen angels did in Genesis 6, but it's becoming harder and harder to distinguish truth from uh, lies, reality from fiction, and that's exactly what Satan wants. Remember, Jesus warned quite extensively that future tribulation generation in the Olivet Discourse, be not deceived, watch out, deception is coming. He says that again and again and again. And, you know, he's given the Olivet Discourse, by the way, the day before the Upper Room Discourse, the day before he was betrayed and arrested and tried and walked up the Via Dolorosa, was hung on a cross for our uh, sin and, and put in a borrowed tomb. And the last thing that he felt it was important uh, to give when, when the disciples said, what will be the sign of your coming and when will this kingdom come was to remind people, don't be deceived. Deception is going to get worse and worse. Paul says the same thing in 2 Timothy 3.13. Evil men in it, the last letter that he wrote, by the way. Many scholars think he was martyred within days after penning the words of 2 Timothy. We don't know that for sure, but it was certainly near the end of his life. He said, you know, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And what does he say in that letter? Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so all of this transhumanist chimeric technology is an attempt to blur the distinction between reality and fiction. That's why I began this 
a presentation by just letting you know, look, I'm real, okay? I'm not, and you can come pinch me if you want to. Um, but that's why it's going to be so important to do what Paul said in uh, 1 John chapter 4, to test the spirits, to test the spirits. It's going to be harder and harder to tell reality from fiction. Uh, here's a Wall Street Journal article from 2020 about looking forward to the end of humanity. Um, you know, this is what they've been uh, talking about for many, many, many years uh, since uh, uh, the, the article Transhumanism by Julian Huxley. Here's a Times of Israel article about gene editing and Moderna. Now, Moderna, let's talk about Moderna for a second. Um, uh, Tal Zaks was at one time the chief medical officer of Moderna, and their tagline was hacking the software of life. I think most of you probably know this by now. If not, you can read chapter 9 of Spirit of the Antichrist, volume 1, the largest chapter in that book. It's all about big pharma and, uh, and uh, vaccines, as particularly COVID, and it gives you the true history behind COVID. But Moderna had never brought a single product to market, never. It was a new company. Uh, the key board member from Moderna was who Donald Trump chose to be in charge of Operation Warp Speed. Now, if that's not a conflict of interest, I don't know what is, because Moderna was then given $4 trillion, $4 trillion from Operation Warp Speed, having never produced anything. And then, of course, we all know they rushed out uh, these new technologies and vaccines, which were nothing more than gene-editing bioinjections. Uh, and, of course, people are paying the price for it now. But it, they've since changed their website, but if you go to the Wayback Machine or any of the other archived Internet sites, you can still find it. They used to have it right there on their website in, in the About page. Welcome to Moderna. We believe mRNA is the software of life. After the COVID uh, injections came out, then they, there was such an outcry that they took it away. But just look at some of these headlines. Here's a Washington Standard article. Former Pfizer Vice President and Chief Science Officer Dr. Mike uh, Eden has said on the record that uh, it is entirely possible this will be used for massive-scale depopulation. You think, you think so? Of course. This is part of Satan's plan. He, he hates life. Um, here's Dr. Charles Hoff from uh, British Columbia in Canada. Uh, he said this vaccine is quite clearly more dangerous than COVID-19. Uh, heart failure from mRNA jabs will kill most people. He said this was July 10, 2021. Here's July 22, 2021. Uh, he was one of several other doctors in a symposium discussing this crisis, and he warns that the majority of vaccinated patients could have permanent heart damage, and some may die within three years. And, of course, what happened? Well, here's Byron Brittle, a viral immunologist and associate professor in Ontario. He said, we made a big mistake. We didn't realize it until now. We thought the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein. So by vaccinating people, we're inadvertently inoculating them with a, a toxin. And he shared this with a hundred of his uh, colleagues. Uh, here's another uh, doctor. The key message from our findings is that the recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, in this case, uh, those who have had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. These are the Gold standard, neutralizing antibodies are the gold standard antibodies of your immune system which block the virus from getting into your immune system in the first place. Um, here's a CDC internal document that was leaked that says vaccinated and unvaccinated both transmit the virus and have similar viral loads. Well, what's the point then? Here's a big pharma whistleblower. 97% of corona vaccine recipients will become infertile. 
Uh, here's a Yahoo. If you got Pfizer, you may have this delayed side effect, a new study says. Oh, you think? Uh, CDC releases a study showing that three-quarters of the Delta variant, remember all those variants, uh, are among the vaccinated. And, and they say masks are the answer. Uh, similar study, I mean, same studies in different articles, 74% of COVID-19 cases from Massachusetts outbreak occurred in fully vaccinated people. 49 fully vaccinated individuals in New Jersey have died from COVID-19. Senator Ron Johnson, remember this, from Wisconsin? He said 84% of new COVID victims in Israel, and you know, 99% of people in Israel were vaccinated, uh, have been in the vaccinated, 84%. 75% of Singapore's recent COVID-19 cases, this is from July of 2021, were reported in vaccinated people. In India today, 86% of vaccinated Indians who got COVID-19 were infected by the Delta variant, 86% of them vaccinated. Places like Gibraltar, Iceland are seeing massive COVID spikes despite over 90% of the population being vaccinated. Uh, Here's a tweet. They're estimating 22% decrease in cases of, of the unvaccinated in the last week, while at the same time a 40% increase in cases of the vaccinated. Uh, I mean, this, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, this professor says half of serious COVID-19 cases are fully vaccinated. CNN said vaccinated, but they, this has become such a problem that in uh, summer of 2021, CNN actually had to put out a spin story about it hey, have you been vaccinated, but now you've got COVID? Well, here's what you should do, as if this is just normal. So, you know, for those now that they're, they're kind of priming the pumps for yet another outbreak coming this fall, uh, you know, I love this meme, you know, first jab, second jab, the booster, the Omicron, the Deltacron, the Megatron, the Voltron, the Tecron, the Decepticon, the Pokemon. Well, despite all this, people are still lining up to get the shot. I mean, how much more evidence do you need? And there's a lot of chatter out there, by the way, about a new variant that's coming this fall. It's called the Another Con. That's, that's, what, it's, that's, what's, that's what it's called. Uh, by the way, in my, DV, my latest DVD series, What in the World is Going On, came out last year. I have two lengthy videos in there. I think it's number two and three, all about COVID-19. So if you're, not, if you're more of a video person than a reader and you want to watch kind of the summary of all that data from my books, you can pick up that a DVD series. Well, by the way, all of our DVDs are available as streaming options too. Some people have come up and said, well, we don't have a DVD player. Well, that's fine. We can do the same thing as streaming and you can watch it on any device and actually even download it if you want. Watch it on your phone. So if you want that but you don't want the DVD, talk to uh, me or Wendy and we can set you up with the streaming. Um, this is a pretty scary article from May of this year. Researchers have refined techniques for recovering environmental DNA. So you, you, if they walk into a room quickly enough after you are there, they can capture your DNA from the air. Just think what Satan and the Luciferians can do with that. Let's talk about transhumanism and depopulation. This is kind of a corollary to the transhumanist agenda. Uh, once you've declared that humans are worthless and inferior to man-made algorithms, uh, then what do you do with them? Well, you kill them, of course. You've got to get rid of them. And Satan has long had an obsession with death because he views mankind as God's pride and joy. And so he spent the last 6,000 years trying to prove that we're worthless and kill us. Jesus said of, of Satan, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus said, this thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is what Satan's been trying to do all along. Remember, what uh, he had Herod do when the Christ child was born. Try to kill all the 
young babies, two years and younger, to try to kill a Christ. Uh, Peter warns us that Satan is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so a, a key thing to understand as we think about the Luciferian conspiracy, at least as it relates to America, is the, the year 1900, that turn of the 20th century. I've referenced this a couple of times already. I make the case extensively in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. But that's when the Luciferians who had long been trying to take over this country and thought they were starting out with it in their control, vastly, though, had underestimated the power of faith, the power of God's Word, the power of the Gospel, the power of God's people, who, as I mentioned, had a 125-year head start from when the pilgrims came over in 1620 to, to the you know, 1770s. And uh, so they were playing catch-up for a while, but finally they said, look, you know, forget it. We've got to get serious about this. And so in the early part of the 20th century, they took over just about every industry. And that's why you had a powerful movement called the eugenics movement that emanated from Europe that was just about in every major town of any size in America. You can, to this day, go and find historical markers in just about any si you know, major-sized town saying, well, here was where the office of uh, eugenics was. Uh, what is eugenics? This pamphlet tells us eugenics is the self-direction of human evolution. Hitler's, uh, one of Hitler's uh, heroes was Darwin, and Hitler was just living out a Darwinian ethic, social Darwinism. That's what eugenics is. Eugenics is simply social uh, Darwinism. Uh, why do you think the Rockefeller Foundations, and the Carnegie Foundations, and others demanded that evolution be taught to every child in America when they launched compulsory government schooling early in the 20th century? They wanted to make us think that we are just useless breathers, and like any other animal or like a, a tree. Uh, most people know Darwin's book, Origin of the Species, but very few people are familiar with the subtitle, Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. See, Darwin was not a scientist. He was a eugenicist. He wanted to kill people. He wanted only the people that looked like him uh, to survive. And people of color, color, people with a limp, the feeble-minded, he called them, they needed to be gotten away with. In his book, uh, Descent of Man, that he published in 1871, he said most people are evolutionary dead ends and only a small elite is actually evolving. Everyone else just gets in the way. It sounds like his alter ego of today, Yuval Noah uh, Harari. Um, Operation Paperclip, um, if you don't know about that, I talk about it in the book. Uh, it was when uh, we brought over all those Nazi eugenicists from the United States after World War II, over 1,600 of them, by the way. Uh, and when they came over to America, let me ask you a question. Do you think that these Nazi eugenicists changed their worldview? Do you think, you know, crossing the Atlantic suddenly made them into God-fearing Christian American patriots? Of course not. That's why they were brought here in the first place. Um, and, you know, that whole program essentially took Nazi war criminals, gave them immunity from prosecution, instead of executing them, gave them high-paying, high you know, uh, posh jobs and mansions in Birmingham, Alabama, and other places like that. Um, uh, it's, just, it's just stunning. Um, here's um, just some, some background uh, data on this. By the way, we did the same thing with another operation, Operation 77, with Japanese scientists, but it was harder for Japanese scientists to blend in, so it wasn't as successful of an operation. Uh, but here is uh, Nazi Major General Walter Dornberger. This is, uh, he was taken captive in April of 1945, toward the end of the war. He's the one that saw the create, oversaw the creation and manufacturing of the V-2 guided missile, which killed over 5,000 British civilians in World War II. 
He became the CEO of Bell Laboratories and a multi-millionaire. Uh, uh, Adolf Hitler himself had this to say about Dornberger on July 8, 1944. This is Hitler talking about Dornberger. He said, I have had to apologize only to two men in my whole life. The first was Field Marshal von Broswich. I did not listen to him when he told me again and again how important your research was, uh, Dornberger. Uh, the second man is yourself. I never believed that your work would be successful. This was Hitler apologizing to Dornberger. What do you do with a guy that Hitler thought was so great? You bring him over and you put him in charge of a company. You remember Warner von Braun, that great American hero? Well, he was a Nazi war criminal. And so what do you do with Nazi war criminals? You celebrate them and put them on the cover of Time magazine. The Nazis didn't really lose the war. They just moved uh, to America. And that's because the Luciferians believe that people are the problem. And people are the problem because people are made in the image of God. And God is their enemy. They want to overcome God. They want to overcome the Creator. Every time Satan looks at a human being, he sees the image of God in man. However corrupted it might be after 6,000 years of depravity. Uh, in the image of Christ, if we know the Lord Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin, then you're a new, new, new creation. And you have the image of, of Christ in you. You're, you're in Christ. That's a unique blessing of the present uh, church age. But even any human being that he looks at today, he sees the image of God in man, corrupted though it may be. And so he wants to murder humans and recreate life in his satanic image. Before they were destroyed a few years ago, we had the chance to, in our research to go visit the Georgia Guidestones. If you're not familiar with them, we talk about them in, in, more in the book. But it's essentially a mysterious sort of mono, monolith that was put up uh, in a field outside of Atlanta, uh, Georgia. I think it was in Elbert County, uh, or Elbert, uh, yeah, Elbert County, Georgia. And it, nobody knows really the, the origin of it. There's a lot of theories out there. But one thing that is certain, it is essentially the Ten Commandments for the Luciferians, the New World Order, the globalists that want to reduce humanity. The number one uh, uh, Ten Commandment on their list was to maintain humanity under 500 million people in perpetual balance with nature. But people are the problem. This is a UN propaganda piece where they encouraged children to to write little cartoons and then they would hang them in the walls of the UN. Uh, and it's, uh, it shows you know, one of the gods of the universe, a doctor, diagnosing the earth's problem. What's your problem? Well, let me tell you, you've got humans. That's your problem. And several of these have uh, cropped up. You've got humans. You're going to have to take a daily capsule of tsunami and two tablets of eight degrees earthquake, all under a strict regimen of doubt, right? Because humans are the problem. Oh, I'm sure, this cartoon said, I'm sure you have humans. That's your that's your problem. Harari said, the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology like artificial intelligence and bioengineering. Most people don't contribute anything to that, except perhaps for their data. In other words, you know, the only value that you human beings have is like rats in a laboratory. Um, and whatever people are still doing which is useful, these technologies, AI, will increasingly make redundant and will make it possible to replace the people. He said 99% of human qualities and abilities are simply redundant for the performance of most modern jobs. This was an article that he wrote on the rise of the useless class. Uh, just as mass industrialization created the working class, the AI revolution will create a new unworking class. Class, he said. 
in 2009, a secret meeting that became leaked out and was subsequently published in some mainstream newsletters was held in New York City. Uh, it was held, um, it, it included uh, Bill Gates, uh, left to right here, Bill Gates, Ted Turner, George Soros, David Rockefeller, Michael Bloomberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Warren Buffett. What was the purpose of this secret meeting? Uh, to find out how they can shrink the world's uh, population. The Wall Street Journal covered this secret meeting. It was held at the personal residence of the president of Rockefeller University. At the time, it was Sir Paul uh, Nurse. Uh, the invitation was personally signed by Gates, Buffett, and Rockefeller. And in the invitation to all these billionaires, they said, what's the purpose? Well, we want to consider how we can use our wealth to slow the growth of the world's population. In a TED Talk, Bill Gates said, quote, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we could lower the population growth by as much as 10 to 15 percent. Doesn't that sound kind of counterintuitive? I thought vaccines, uh, at least the official narrative, is they're supposed to help keep you alive, right? Keep you from dying from all these dreadful boogeyman diseases that are out there. Here he just comes right out and tells you, no, we need vaccines because we're, we're trying to decrease the population growth. Remember what I quoted Brzezinski as saying yesterday, today it's infinitely easier to kill one million people than to control one million people. So I'm going to give you another quote here from another guy that's kind of become the darling of conservatives for some reason. It's, it's so amazing how they play to this fake right-left paradigm and people hear it on Fox News or Tucker Carlson and they think, oh, it must be good. Well, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is, is one of the most evil human beings on the planet. He once said, quote, I'm pro-choice. I'm for assisted suicide. In fact, I'm for regular suicide. I'm for whatever gets the freeway moving. That's what I'm for. It's too crowded. The planet is too crowded, and we need to promote death. That's what these people want to do. And that's exactly what our neighbors uh, to the north uh, did in March of 2023 with the passing of the MAID uh, legislation. It stands for Medical Assistance in Dying. Maybe you uh, heard about this. They have always had a very robust, uh, if you want to use that term, assisted suicide laws in Canada, but this expanded the eligibility to those who were feeling depressed or down or lowly, and uh, it, uh, you know, passed. And uh, here was a commercial from late last year, uh, a 30-second commercial promoting this new law. This ought to chill you to the bone and show you just how much Satan loves death and how much these Luciferians are promoting death. 30-second uh, quote, encouraging people to end their life. I mean, 30-second commercial. Even now, as I seek to end my seek help to end my life, there is still so much beauty. You just have to be brave enough to say it. This young woman says, "Glorifying death." It's exactly what Satan's doing. He, he lied from the beginning. He takes everything God said, turns it on its head, makes good bad, bad good. Here was a Instagram influencer that made a positive video about her grandma choosing euthanasia. I'm so proud of my grandma. She's going to kill herself. Here's a series of quotes uh, from other Luciferians. John P. Holdren, who was Barack Obama's primary science advisor, he said, quote, a program of sterilizing women after their second or third child, despite the relatively greater difficulty of this operation than a vasectomy, might be easier 
to implement than trying to sterilize men. He said the development of a long-term sterilizing capsule that could be implanted under the skin and removed when pregnancy is desired opens up additional possibilities for coercive fertility control. The capsule could be implanted at puberty and might be removable, removable with official permission, of course, for a limited number of births. Uh, Margaret Sanger, uh, founder of Planned Homicide, I mean, or Planned Parenthood, sorry. Uh, uh, she said, of all of our problems, all of our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class. The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Paul Ehrlich uh, said, nobody in my view has the right to have 12 children or even three, unless the second one is twins, of course. Well, then it's okay. Uh, he wrote the 1968 book, the population bomb, this was about the same time that Limits to Growth and the World Economic Forum and uh, Club of Rome and all these things were uh, coming about under the influence of these Luciferians who in the early 20th century got together and created a plan. Uh, Ted Turner said a total world population of 250 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal. A lot of people speculate he might have been the one who funded uh, the uh, Georgia Guidestones. Here's a Detroit News columnist who said, since the national attention is on birth control, well, here's my idea. If you want to fight poverty, reduce violent crime, and bring down our embarrassing dropout rate, we should swap contraceptives for fluoride in Michigan's drinking water. Uh, by the way, there's a long history of government, local municipalities with government funding putting stuff in the drinking water. That, that's well documented. Uh, Nina Fedorov, who was a key advisor to Hillary Clinton, said, we need to continue to decrease the growth rate of the global population. The planet just can't support very many more people. David Brower of the Sierra Club said, childbearing should be a punishable crime against society unless the parents hold a government license. All potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals, the government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing. Henry Kissinger said depopulation should be the highest priority of the foreign policy towards the third world because he wanted to go in and take over these third world countries. It was easier to do if they had less people. Uh, everybody knows of Prince Philip, of course. Uh, he said, in the event that I am reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. Uh, the inventor of the Internet once said, a contraceptive pill is the key tool in the battle against climate change. You didn't know that the climate change is kind of the, the, the great uh, you know, excuse for everything, including uh, you know, depopulation. He said, making fertility manageable, management ubiquitously available is crucial to the future shape of the human, human civilization. Uh, how many of you are aware that the United States government has an Office of Population Affairs? It's part of Health and Human Services. Thomas Ferguson, former official in uh, this department said, quote, there is a single theme behind all of our work. We must reduce population levels. Once population is out of control, it requires authoritarian government, even fascism, to reduce it. Uh, you can go to the website uh, any, you know, right now, hhs.gov, go to the OPA uh, website. The OPA, it says, advises the Secretary and Assistant Secretary for Health on a wide range of reproductive and adolescent health topics, including teen pregnancy prevention, family planning, and sterilization, as well as other uh, population issues. So yes, uh, the Luciferians absolutely want to depopulate the earth. One more thing before we get to how we should respond to all of this uh, pretty depressing information. Uh, I talk about this in the book, not quite sure what to make of it. Some of you may have heard of this, but there's a sort of an enigmatic website, Deagle.com. 
who puts out numbers, uh, and this was uh, kind of interesting. They show the current population of the United States, 327 million, and then they show in, by 2025 the forecast is 100 million. And the only reason that caught my eye is because I have a chapter in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, all about the Luciferian timeline and Agenda 2030. And, and I've mentioned before how, you know, back in the 30s and 40s, Alice Bailey, who, who with her husband started Lucifer Trust uh, Publishing Company, Lucifer Publishing Company, uh, who was a Satan worshiper. She was a theosophist, a disciple of Helena Blavatsky. She wrote 10,000 pages uh, under the influence of a demon that she called uh, Master DK. She said she was channeling information from this demon and wrote it down. And in those 10,000 pages, 15 times she references the year 2025 as the year that this demon says, you know, Satan's going to usher in the one world system. Doesn't mean it's not going to, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. There are a lot of other, as I talk about in that chapter in the book, references to 2025. It seems to come up a lot. Uh, again, God is the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. When He's ready, He'll call the church home to meet the Lord in the air. Then things will begin to unfold like we've been talking about uh, at this conference. But it is, I think, quite telling that this is the enemy's blueprint, his game uh, plan. Uh, so how should we respond to all of this? Several of you have come up to me after uh, my uh, previous sessions and uh, said, you know, we have friends or we have loved ones that are just not awake, and they, they're just, no matter what we tell them, they're not going to believe it. Well, that reminds me of a famous quote from Mark Twain who said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. That's actually not the exact quote. The exact quote is, quote, how easy it is to make people believe a lie and how hard it is to undo that work again, but it's kind of been morphed into this uh, statement. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, once people have bought into the lie, it's hard to break free. Leonardo da Vinci famously said, there are three classes of people, those who see, those who see when they're shown, and those who do not see. And uh, sadly, there are a lot of people out there uh, that uh, just aren't going uh, to see. But First Thessalonians speaks to believers when it says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So that's the first clarion call from Scripture again and again to be to pay attention. You know, a prudent man, the Bible says, foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them, whereas the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers uh, the consequences. Uh, Proverbs 21 says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So to believers, I would say, wake up. I mean, the time for just, you know, status quo is long gone. We need to be uh, so stop spinning our wheels thinking we can somehow, if we just elect enough Republicans, we can turn this world around. Uh, we need to start protecting our own house, protecting our own family, protecting our own loved ones, being prepared, heeding the warnings of Scripture uh, to make sure that if the Lord doesn't come back soon, we're prepared for whatever these globalists roll out here in America. If you're not a believer, uh, this is absolute priority number one and that is to believe in Jesus Christ as the only hope of eternal life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The Bible says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And that's really our driving passion at Not By Works Ministries. Our theme verse is Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy He saved us. And it is grace. It's the only way you can be saved. You don't get saved by making a commitment to God. You don't be saved by signing a contract with God, walking an aisle, signing a card, raising a hand. 
It's a personal matter of faith. More than 160 times the New Testament conditions eternal life upon faith alone in Christ alone. The gospel is so simple a child can understand it. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Ten words or less, there it is. That's the gospel. It's not that complicated. Satan's tried to make it complicated. He's tried to redefine faith and redefine what it means to believe and make it into all this kind of, you know, you've got to stop sinning and promise to stop sinning and pledge to stop sinning. Listen, you don't have to get cleaned up to take a bath. If we could get to heaven because we made a decision to stop sinning, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross and shed His blood. It's a free gift, absolutely 100% free. The Bible ends with the words, Whosoever will let him come drink freely of the water of life. Romans 3.24 says we are justified freely by His grace. Cost God His own Son, it cost Jesus His shed blood, but it cost us nothing. And nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we cling. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation? That's priority number one. We give out free tracts wherever we go. And I always like to say in my last session, we don't want to go home with any of the tracts that are on our table. So please, before you leave today, pick up a handful of those gospel tracts that say good news on them and give them out wherever you go. They, they're great to give out at fast food restaurants or leave with uh, hotel uh, clerks, put a $5 bill in there. Uh, but uh, the Bible says the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Uh, I want to remind you that the books are out there at the table at the end of the, the hall. The new one uh, just came out September 1st. Spirit of the Antichrist books came out uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, we've got our DVD series that I mentioned. We've also got the Prophecy Streaming Bundle that includes that What in the World is Going On set and uh, several other books out there. encourage you to, to check them out. Let me pray for us and then I'll have Steve uh, come back up. Father, thank you so much for the comfort that we have in your word and that none of this surprises us. It's all actually rather exciting as we see your prophetic plan unfolding in living color right before our very eyes. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up men and women of faith, young people of faith, believers whose faith is strong, that walk by faith and not by sight and are willing to stand in the face of all this uh, tyranny that is rising up. And uh, Lord, be prepared for whatever may come through your strength and through your grace. And those that may not know you today, I pray that in simple childlike faith they would trust in the only one who can forgive sin and give the gift of eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And we pray this in His precious name.